Welcome, listeners. Some rituals can be short and sweet, some can be long and strange, but almost always, they are deadly. I bring you a mixed bag of rituals today, ranging from demons, to strange locations, through to urban legends. Seven tales of varying topics to get your skin crawling or brain thinking. Either way, either way, these rituals are certainly different. Now, I'm going to jump into thanking my supporters because at this minute over here in Australia, the rain is bucketing down. I'm actually noise cancelling the rain out, so you might just be able to hear the wind. In saying that, let me get straight to thanking my three living legends, Magical Matthew J. Bauer, Marvelous Maya, and Divided by Zero, my supporting hero. Thank you so much for being awesome and supporting the show at the White Tea Warlord tier. You make my day every day, mates. Thanks. And my Elgrain forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, and Michelangelo Yacone. Thank you for being the blood that runs through this podcast veins. And no plug today, my friends, because the power could potentially be cut off at any minute. Yes, it happens over here. So turn off the sound, keep on your lights, and never follow the rituals I read here. Blind Man's Bluff Timing is very important in this game. You will need a dark room with or without windows. Windows if you want safety. If you have windows, there must be curtains or sheets on them. No light can be seen. There may be furniture in the room, but not much. The floor should be clean. I don't recommend having anything hanging on the walls. They might fall down, depending on how the game goes. There should be some sort of seating arrangement for at least three people, or no more than five people at max. This includes a circle of chairs or a couch slash love seat. I recommend the chairs, if you do not wish to share a seat. The room is ready. I also recommend memorizing the way to your seat. You will not want to bump into anything on the way there. I also recommend having your game room on the same floor as your bedroom. Go to bed at 8 that night. You will want to sleep. It is imperative that you sleep for a duration of time, no matter how short. Leave your room at 11.50 and put a blindfold on before you go to sleep. Walk to your seat. Do not be alarmed. Nobody will block you. Sit in your chair. When you feel that ten minutes have passed, you will know. This ritual seems to warp the travel of time. Where your usual ten minutes feels like twenty minutes, invite them in. If it happens that you do not want to go through with the game, then go back to your bed without taking off your blindfold. If you wait longer than 10 minutes, they will be offended and enter anyway. Do not let them enter on their own accord. If you take off your blindfold, it is a signal of fear. 
They like your fear. You do not want them to like your fear. If it happens that you want to play, say calmly but firmly, Come in and be obedient. They will come in. They are your guests. They are yours to entertain, so be polite. Be mindful of your manners and do not remove your blindfold. You do not want to see them. Be very specific on what you want them to do. They will do exactly what you tell them to do and not to do. Before anything else, tell them your rules. You are their host, and they will not disobey you. Be specific. Tell them how you expect them to act. Tell them if they are or are not allowed to touch you. Tell them what they can and cannot touch in the room. Tell them where they can go. They are like children. Instruct them with precision. You may tell them to sit. They will sit. You will know when they are seated. You may ask them questions. They may lie to you. You will not know when they are lying. You may ask them to knock on the walls. They will knock. You will hear them knocking, as will anyone else in the house. The other person may wake up from the knocking. If she or he does, pray that whatever pain comes to you will be swift. You may ask them of your future. They know, but they will not tell you. You may do anything, but you must not cross their lines. And yes, you will know when you're crossing their lines. If you wish to ask them something, and you feel even the slightest hint of something wrong, do not ask it, and do not mention it. The moment you cross their lines, your life is forfeit. Remember to never take off your blindfold. They will ask you to. They will beg you to. They will try to force you with the sweetest tongues and the harshest tones. No matter what, do not take off your blindfold. And above all, do not be harsh with them. You are their host, they are your guests. You must never be unkindly to them. They will see it as a threat and take care of you as they see fit. When you are done with them, tell them to leave and not return unless you invite them to do so. Tell them that you enjoyed their time. They love your flattery. You will know when they're gone. Do not take off your blindfold. When they are gone, walk back to your room and go to your bed. Do not take off your blindfold. Sleep. You will dream of nothing more. You may take off your blindfold when you wake, so long as it is daylight. For the rest of your life, they will follow you, but they will never be in plain sight, and they will never be there when you look at them. They will always want another chance to meet you. Do not exceed three meetings. After the third meeting, they may invite you. You cannot decline their invitation. Greed Right now, there is a thin man in a skin-tight black suit sitting in your closet. His bony knees bent to his chest, his spidery white fingers wrapped around his ankles. 
He sits there, and has been sitting there since you began reading this. His name is Greed. Can you hear his breathing yet? Now that you are aware of his existence, if you open your closet door, you will see him sitting there. Immediately, his expressionless face will smile, and his sharp green eyes will lock onto yours. You may open and close the closet as much as you wish, and you may leave him there for as long as you like, but he will never go away. Such is this curse. And every time you look inside your closet, he will still be there, his glassy eyes following yours. Only you will see him. Don't attempt to tell anyone else. They will only question your sanity. If you ignore greed, gradually he will take over your existence. When you look in the mirror, you will see him standing behind you, smiling that eerie smile. You will see him sitting in the back of your car as you drive home late from work, as you turn the lights off downstairs, as you run up the steps to the safety of your bedroom. He will be running behind you. Even if you do not turn to look, you will hear a second pair of footsteps. There is only one way to rid yourself of greed. At exactly midnight, of any night of the year, apart from Christmas Eve, sit in front of your closet with a razor in your left hand. You must be alone. The lights must be off, and you must place a lit tea candle in between you and the closet door. Without opening the door, repeat this verse. In return for my sanity, I give to you my soul. Use it as you wish, but please, Leave me alone. The closet door will swing open, revealing greed, whose eyes are already glaring at you. He will hold out his long, bony hand. Hold your right hand over it, and with your left, make a clean cut across your wrist, and let your blood fill his hand. Once it is full, he will retreat, and in your hand, place a gift that he took out from his top right coat pocket. Then he will stand up and walk out of your house, the doors opening themselves for him. He will never return. From that moment on, your life will be perfect. You will effortlessly become rich beyond belief. You will find and marry the love of your life and achieve anything your heart desires. You will never become sick, and you will die warm and comfortable in your bed, surrounded by those you love. But once your eyes have finally closed, and your lungs stop breathing, you will meet greed again. He will take you to visit your loved ones, who you have left behind. And you will watch helplessly as he plays his game. He will take the sharpest knife from their kitchen and hide in their closet. Next time they open it, he will slaughter and devour them. He will repeat this little ritual until everyone you've ever loved is lying dead in a puddle of their own blood. After he has finally finished this twisted game, he will take your soul from his top right coat pocket and swallow it. You will become a part of him, and be a part of his game forevermore. However, if you take the option to ignore him, 
he will never leave. And once in a while, if you turn over to your loved one in your bed, instead of seeing the face of whom you love, your eyes will meet with his. And that evil grin will be stretched over his rows of sharp teeth. The Chinatown Well If you've ever found yourself in LA's old Chinatown, head into the square. Go past the statue of Sun Yat-sen, past the hip ultra-mod toy store called Monkey King, and look for an import store next to what used to be a wishing fountain. Go into this store and head all the way to the back, and you'll see a selection of weapons. Look for a weapon called a Jujibian, a sort of multi-sectioned whip. It must have exactly nine segments, no more, no less. This will be called the Chain of Night. As of now, there are 48 notches in its handle. It will cost you $29.95. Then after that, go outside and wait till dark. As the moon rises, take a quarter from your pocket and cast it at the wishing well. As it lands, Focus on that spot exactly, and slowly chant under your breath, By the circles of Lao Tzu, the void inside of matter, I call forth the spirit that lingers here. This phrase is best said in the original Mandarin, but the spirit will understand a sincere supplicant regardless of language. A girl will step out of the bottom of the fountain, about nine years of age. She will ask you, where has my mother gone? You must respond with, She has long since gone from Earth. But look to the sky and see her there. The spirit is not that of a little girl, but of a bog hag, cursed to obey this one command regardless of who says it. At this moment, you must attempt to strike the girl with your newly acquired Jujubian. She will then snarl and attempt to fight back. Should you win, all the money ever thrown into the fountain will await you if you fail. All that the folks in Chinatown know is that a bloody Jujubian lies at the door of the import store with a notch in its handle. To date, there are 49 notches in that handle. Hiding in Plain Sight Children are solipsistic creatures. They tend to think of themselves as the only real beings in the world. Any parent will tell you that a child learning to speak is followed by a phase where they constantly make demands on the people around them and get furious with confusion if they are not immediately abided. An important and often skipped step in becoming an adult thus is realizing that other people are other people with their own thoughts and feelings independent of yours. For many, this comes through a realization, often profoundly unsettling, that the people around them can change. Surely you have noticed this at some point in your life. You meet with an old friend after a long absence and find that you barely know them anymore. Or perhaps someone important to you, a parent, sibling, co-worker, friend, spouse, child, starts acting strangely, out of character. Maybe they're having a very bad or very good day, and they'll go back to their old selves soon. Or maybe they won't. And whether this new demeanor of theirs brings you closer to them, 
or pushes you back, you know at least that they have gotten a bit more in touch with their true selves, that this change was their own decision. But what about when it isn't? There is a way you can test the people that you know. If the test fails, it means the person is just acting unusual. And you can laugh it off and think of the test as a last game to play before you finally grow up. But if it succeeds, well, we'll get to that. What you must do first is buy a vase of flowers and put them in a place where you and the person share a lot of time. The cubicles you both work at, your dining room, whatever. These can be any kind of bouquet, but they must include baby's breath. Just baby's breath would work, actually. As the days go by, sprinkle something in the water that will kill the flowers, like salt or weed killer, a little at a time. You can do this in sight of your subject or not, it doesn't matter. Continue doing this even after the flowers have completely died. If your subject asks you about the flowers, you can abandon the test now, as it is clearly a negative. If you catch them staring at the dead flowers for long periods of time, however, and especially if they throw them away when you aren't looking, you should proceed to the second phase of the test. The second phase is to get the subject to have dinner with you. The purpose of this phase is to agitate it to reveal itself. And there are several methods you can use for this. The dinner should ideally be black pudding, blood, sausage, or something else with blood as a major ingredient. But if you live in a place where these things are unusual or not readily available, any iron-rich food will do such as red meat or legumes, it is vitally important that the subject not prepare any part of this meal themselves. Not even pouring any drinks, it may try to soothe itself by finding ways to help, even if asked not to, so be wary. The area you eat in can be prepared with as many of the following as you can manage. Objects made mostly of iron, the older the better, placed near the northmost wall. Something intended to be burned, incense, cigarettes, tinder, etc. To the eastmost wall, sealed bottles of something liquid, the southmost wall, pressed or dried flowers anywhere. The bones of any animal, anywhere but must be hidden. Finally, for practical purposes, you should have a deadly weapon of some sort hidden on you. And there should be no less than one, and no more than three other people within shouting distance, again for practical purposes. As the dinner commences, you should try and steer the conversation to your history with your subject, but intentionally get details wrong. The subject not noticing these discrepancies is not a sign of a positive test. People forget things all the time, but them growing more agitated with each mistake is... Other topics of conversation that can agitate include excavation and digging, pregnancy and new births, machinery, upcoming astronomical phenomenon, meteor showers, eclipses, etc. And anything that strongly invokes the color green. Finally, repeatedly drawing a circle, clockwise, using the ring finger of your left hand has a strong agitating effect on them. The sum of all these steps should cause the subject to become increasingly silent and nervous over the course of the dinner. Though be sure not to speak of anything that would upset your subject under normal circumstances to avoid a false positive. 
at extreme levels of agitation, they may exhibit any of the following. Lapse of broad motor control, sucking on their food without actually chewing it, uncanny and erratic eye movements and expressions, twirling things like forks or salt shakers, scratching, especially near the stomach, sudden increases in vocal pitch, and the unexplained appearance of lesions or lacerations on the subject's skin. If these symptoms become too bizarre to explain away, disassociate yourself with the subject as soon as you can. No matter how much the subject seems to recover afterwards, there's not much else you can do. If you need to be absolutely sure, there is a third phase, though it has its own consequences. The third phase is simple. Look at the subject directly in the eyes for several seconds. They will meet your gaze. No matter how much trouble they have controlling the rest of their body, ask the subject, why did you kill his daughter? Using that exact phrasing, if you are very fortunate, your subject will blink dumbly at you and you can laugh it off as a badly botched joke, assured your subject is still the person you once knew. It is more likely, however, that the subject will stare at you for several moments and you will know, unequivocally, when you see it in their eyes. Don't ask what it is, you'll know what I mean when you see it. And when you do see it, immediately break eye contact and reach for your weapon, as it will inevitably cause the subject to shriek and attempt to kill you. Fleeing at this point is possible but unwise, as leading the subject on a chase could trigger attacks from others you may pass, and there are far more of them than you'd be comfortable knowing. And this is why you need witnesses to help you argue self-defense later. But not too many. They usually attack when they see others attacking, and you can only kill so many. Lastly, it is extremely important that you not look your subject in the eye past this point, even after they die. Unless, of course, you want to know what it's like to become one of them. Hiding in plain sight. Hidden Whispers I discovered a great and easy way to find out if your home houses one of several spirits. It's easy, really. All you need is a vacuum cleaner and, well, a home. I would recommend that you do this in a room filled in total darkness. Due to this, it's easier to do at night. But you won't have to, since the darkness is there. Just to dull your visual sense to improve your hearing instead. Enter the dark room and turn on the vacuum cleaner. Pull it back and forward as it makes the spirits easier to hear. If you don't hear any voices, you know you can sleep safely, knowing that there are no spirits in your home. If you hear whispering or talking, the spirit in your home died a painless, natural death. If you hear screaming, the spirits were most likely murdered or tortured by a deadly disease before letting go. Although this is safe, it can cause you nightmares. However, if you hear a silent, almost whispered chanting, you should pack your bags and leave before you find out why. <laughs> the Corner If you stand alone at the corner of Church Street and Market Street in Charleston, South Carolina at 3am, you'll see a man coming down Church Street 
wearing a black hat, a black cape, with stringy white hair and weathered skin. He'll stop at one of the two corners directly across from where you are standing and start to walk the corner directly opposite from where he is. When he reaches about halfway, dead center of the intersection, and nobody else has arrived, he'll stop, turn, and look directly at you. If you do not blink for roughly 20 to 30 seconds, he'll tip his hat to you and walk along his way, disappearing into the dark shadows of the trees that line the streets. Nobody knows what happens if you follow him. If you do blink before he tips his hat, the very first thing you'll see is the man standing directly in front of you. He'll grin maliciously at you and draw a blade hidden in the shaft of his cane and slash you across the throat. But you will not feel a thing. You will, however, pass out and remain in a comatose state until the sun rises over the horizon. For the next six nights, you will have a reoccurring dream of the man walking down the street, appearing suddenly before you and slashing your throat. On the seventh night, the events will replay the same until he stops in the middle of the intersection. At this point, he'll say, It's been fun playing with you, boy. But now, it's time for you to go. Don't ever let me see you again. He'll then tip his hat and walk away before you wake up. Nobody knows what happens if you visit the corner a second time. And no one dares to find Howell Shelter Somewhere along the German coast, you may come across a small stone building that clearly shows signs of age. Next to the entrance is a faded sign reading, Howell Shelter. There is no harm in climbing down the ladder inside the first level and investigating the chambers down there. But going further may cost you your sanity. In the main room, there is nothing but an old well and doors to other rooms. One room serves as a sleeping area, while the other room acts as a kitchen, complete with a stone oven and an iron cauldron filled with stagnant water. This is all you can see here without climbing down the well, which is the only way to proceed. Take caution, however, as once you climb down, there is no guarantee that you will come out the same or even at all. Once you reach the bottom of the well, you will see a passage that ends in a wooden door. Once you open it, you will find yourself on a bridge reaching across a huge underground chasm. On the other side, you will see another door leading into your first set of horrors. Be careful in crossing the bridge as falling off will surely be your end. As you enter the huge room beyond the bridge, the stench of death will be overbearingly present. The smell comes from the small cells, which you should never look directly into. No human eye can handle what lies inside them. Proceed to the other end of the room and climb up the ladder. This will take you to the second level, which acts as a balcony that oversees the cells. You will find two desks facing each other. The only thing you can find in the drawers of these desks are diaries that belong to soldiers taking prisoner during multiple wars, even some which have been forgotten. There is no harm in reading them, but they all consist 
of the daily tortures they endured under the enemy, which is pretty gruesome. Parallel to the ladder you climbed before is yet another ladder leading downwards. After you climb down, you will be on a path directly above the cells from earlier. On the end of the path is the entrance to a hole next to a small stream. Continue down this hole until you come to a rotten wooden door. Once you enter through it, make sure to close it. The last thing in the world needs is the evil that lurks beyond the door to be able to escape. After closing it, you will find a hole leading down into darkness. If you wish to leave, now is the time to do so. Just go back the way you came, and make sure not to look at the cells. If you choose to continue, you must whisper, The darkness lies before me, but I wish to see thee. Before jumping down the pit. If you fail to utter these words before jumping down the hole, you will hear voices proclaiming how the end of the world will pass while you fall, until you die of thirst. If you speak the phrase and then jump down, you will land in a pool of cold water. Swim to the edge quickly, or else something will pull you down and end your life slowly. Once you reach land, you will confront a great monstrosity made of strange ooze. Its face will resemble someone you love who is deceased. You must shout the name of whomever it resembles before it swallows you whole. Once it hears the name, it will melt into nothingness. Where it once stood will be an orange flower. Grab the flower and close your eyes. Once you open them, you will find yourself at the grave of the loved one that the monster resembled. The flower you now have will now comfort you whenever you hold it. Be careful not to abuse this power though, as you will become addicted to the pleasure it provides if you use it too often. You will never want to let go. If you hold onto it too long, the earth around you will start to entangle you until it pulls you into the dirt where you will never be heard from again. And so ends the ritual of Howell Shelter. Mates, I hope you enjoyed these ritual stories. They were certainly different, right? These rituals had some serious drawbacks, which begs the question, why do rituals in the first place? I mean, sometimes people are curious. They want to explore. Some people go hiking, hang gliding, rock climbing, whilst others call on the demons of the dark and reach out to bog hags with a death wish. You know, same same really, both interests have their risks, right? <laughs> Look, either way, I'm doing neither of the ones I covered here today, and I hope you don't either. Stick with me Friday, mates, where I'll be going through some Japanese tales, I think, or maybe some paranormal ones. We'll see. Either way, take it easy, you brilliant people. And as always, till next, we meet.